0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. It, it wasn't easy. Um, it, it the you know negotiating with a narcissist, in my humble opinion, begins with negotiating with yourself. What are you willing to tolerate? Thank you. What are you willing to tolerate? What are you willing to not tolerate? We don't get our goals; we get our standards.
1: Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung, and I have my soul sister here with me today, who's Absolutely amazing. Wonder Woman was actually created. That name was created for her. Um, She's a tech investor, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, trainer, entrepreneur. She's appeared on everything, basically. CNN, Fox, Lifetime, you name it. She's been on it. Uh, Forbes. um, She's written books with Jack Canfield and... She's currently the CEO, the co-CEO and co-founder of Radius AI, a Silicon Valley and Phoenix-based AI company. And we're going to be talking all about that. Um, she's complete, competed in the Boston Marathon six times and has five children. Okay, come on. Like, that's just so crazy. So welcome, welcome, welcome,
0: Susan Sly. Well, thanks for having me, Rebecca. And shouts out to all of the viewers. Um, you know, I will go in and I'll respond to all of the comments. I love to do that on YouTube. So go ahead as we're going through, drop a comment down. Um, I actually, I'm only going to respond to the non narcissistic ones. Oh, there you go.
1: Yeah. So we're going to be talking about an offer you can't refuse. How Artificial intelligence is actually impacting us and, and impacting our negotiations. So first of all, tell us a little bit about you and
0: your background. How did you even get into this? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's it's so funny. I think when we all go to college, we, we have a certain... Way we think our our life is going to go. And for a small handful of people, their life goes exactly like that. Mine wasn't. I I went to university thinking I was going to be a surgeon. And uh, what ended up happening, I became a research assistant to a professor who was doing research in criminology. And we were actually focused on catching serial killers. And in the lab, we were working on computer programs, Rebecca, that would quantify crime scenes and create a numeric value to a crime scene. So for example, um, a number would be attached to how much blood there was and, and so on and so forth. And what we we're able to do is use early stage algorithms to be able to narrow the search field. So if we looked at um, in in a... Um, Sex crime, which is what we were focused on. If something had happened, there might be a thousand potential perpetrators, but using our technology, we could narrow that field. So I spent time doing that, doing some early coding. Then, like a lot of people, I told myself a lie. I said I'm not really techie, Um, and and I remember not even knowing how to send a text. Here I'd gone from coding to believing this delusion that I didn't know how to do things. And so, several years ago, I realized there was a part of me. I've been very successful in sales and marketing. I've generated um, sales teams in three separate verticals that have done almost $2 billion US in sales. But there was a part of me that wasn't fulfilled. So I decided that I was going to get back into technology. I started to architect some tech that would work on biometrics. So think about your Apple Watch and different things like that. Ended up meeting the guys who had founded Radius, which was a human-centric AI company. I knew I needed to get involved, became a co-founder, went back to school, just finished um, a couple of years at MIT. I'm going to go back and do a couple more years. And so that's what brought me here.
1: Oh, unbelievable. I have so many questions about that. Do you think that um, gender bias or something around gender had you believing that you weren't a tech person?
0: Absolutely, I gave away my power um, you know this your the work you 're doing is so helpful and i have we have mutual friends and and they always sing your praises because whether it 's one of the videos or if they 've seen you speak it 's just been very cathartic for them and i you know I I started to believe that because I was in a relationship with a narcissist, and it was very much this. Um, when I was, you know, in his spotlight, I felt like a million bucks. But then when I wasn't, um, there were a lot of hurtful things said, and so I started to believe those lies about myself. And if anyone watching or listening, it doesn't. I was raised by a single dad. I love <laughs> men. I love dads. It doesn't matter, man or woman. Um, the thing I want to say to you from my heart is if you're in a relationship with someone who makes you feel both like crap and makes you feel amazing, then maybe you need to take a step back and go and read Rebecca's books because you're probably in a relationship with a narcissist. And if you start believing those lies that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not attractive enough, um, all of those things. And I did, um, you know, it's not shame on them it's shame on you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so hard sometimes for people to feel like they can negotiate their way out of those situations though. But I think seeing people like you who've done it and done it successfully and, and, you know, gives them inspiration and it makes them feel more empowered because they think, well, you know, if you could do it and you got out of the relationship, you were a single mom. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so you know, you got out of the relationship as a single mom who had you'd been traumatized and abused and you were able to create everything that you have now and become who you are and you're, you know, remarried and you have more children and all of that. But um, it was not an easy
0: path, but you did it. Yeah, it was, it, it wasn't easy. Um, it, it, the, you know, negotiating with a narcissist, in my humble opinion, begins with negotiating with yourself. Ooh, what are you willing so to tolerate? Thank you. What are you willing to tolerate? What are you willing to not tolerate? We don't get our goals. We get our standards. And what, you know, and there's been a lot of healing since then. And I absolutely forgive him and wish him well. The The biggest thing was I had to negotiate with myself, Rebecca, and go, wait a minute." what is it? Where am I giving away my power? And what am I willing to no longer put up with? And that had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with me. So when that relationship ended, we also lost our business and I had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So a 16-week period in 2000 that began on January 13th of that year, I'm diagnosed with MS. Three days later, um, you know, things start going sideways in the marriage. 16 weeks later, we lost our business. And there I was on Good Friday of 2000 in front of a health club we owned in front of all of my students going into teach a spinning class and there was a padlock on the door and we've been shut down for failure to pay taxes because one of the things with narcissists is they will let you think they're handling everything and one of the things you do is you give away your power and you're like, oh, you're handling everything and that's okay and it makes me feel safe even though you don't feel safe and that's what happened. So there I was, I had $300 to my name, single mom, living on my brother-in-law's sofa and I had to put my life back together. And I did, but it became a series of standards. And that's how it began. And that's what I want to say to everyone. Take some time today and figure out what your standards are. What are your standards in your health? What are your standards in your relationships? What are your standards in your money? And and, and make a decision. And that's what I have to do. Oh, that
1: is so good. Oh my goodness. We could do a whole show just on that. Like seriously. Um, So I want to go to the AI thing. First of all, can you give us like a good definition of what artificial intelligence is? Because I think everybody sort of has their own idea about what it actually is, but give us a definition of it.
0: Sure. So there are three types of AI, and um, we're using it all of the time. So the, the first type of AI is the most rudimentary, fundamental, and we'll give an example like search. Um, so we all Google things, um, we go you know, online, and, and we like to think that Google is going to give us, Rebecca, the top most search things, but that's not actually the case. There is a lot of bias and I'll get into that. The next level would be an artificial general intelligence. So it's able to do more than one task. And so we're seeing a lot of that in the medical field, right? Where we're seeing artificial intelligence used, machine learning used um, in terms of diagnostics, where they're looking at very complex things and making decisions or autonomous vehicles, where that vehicle has to decide, um, as an example, um, a truck is coming at the vehicle and, a, and there's a, a woman and her dog about to run, walk in front of the truck. Does the car smash into the truck and kill the passengers or does the, the car veer and kill the woman and the dog? So that's an AGI. The ASI is what everyone's freaked out about. All the movies are about um, artificial superintelligence. And that is essentially an intelligence that is able to think for itself, make its own decisions. Um, and, and we're still a bit away from that. One thing I do want to mention that everyone must be aware of. So last year, McKinsey came out, uh, actually two years ago, with a study that said by the year 2030, 80 or 800 million jobs globally would be displaced by artificial intelligence. Displaced. And the reason I bring this up is because it is not an artificial super intelligence that, you know, is, is going to displace those jobs. It's actually this first level of AI and the second level of AI that is going to displace the jobs. And what COVID did effectively, Rebecca, is it compressed time. So a lot of companies started to use machine learning and to use artificial intelligence to be able to replace humans during COVID. And some of those jobs aren't coming back. And I'll give you some different examples. So we're seeing um, with artificial intelligence, um, it's able to do things like um, law school enrollments are down. Because I bet when you were a, a clerk, right? How many briefs and things did you had to read? Like all this volume of stuff, a machine can do it in half the time, less than half the time, right? We're seeing it in accounting. We are seeing it in professions that were previously, you know, professions you would have gone to school for seven or eight years for that the AI is able to do those jobs. And so I know you and I have been talking even before the show, some of the things it's replacing, it's kind of crazy. So that's a, 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 just a beginner's definition of AI and just an idea of where we're headed. And so we all have to adapt,
1: Okay, so I have a question. If yes. it's reading a brief, like, is it actually summarizing it? Like, how, how does that help? You know, does it pull out the things that
0: you need? You know, I'm curious. Yeah, so I want everyone to think of it like this there's the um, input, and then there's the output right? So um, I'll give an example. So let's say Rebecca and I, were both moms and we are like, oh, we're going we're gonna to get together and we're going to um, bake this cake and we're going to have a party with the kids. So we would have inputs, flour, sugar, butter, eggs, baking powder. And we would hope, I haven't baked with Rebecca yet, but that could be a YouTube video, baking <laughs> with Rebecca. Oh my YouTube. God. <laughs> that would actually be really fun. We will do it. <laughs> and, We're and doing that output is going to be hopefully a cake that's that's our intention and we're gonna put all those ingredients we're going to mix them together we're going to put it in an oven and we're gonna get a cake in AI we have inputs and those could be in different forms it could be voice so if you are using Siri as an example or Google Voice that's an input um, it could be um, documents could be an input it could be video at radius we specialize in computer vision for our AI so there are different kinds of inputs we have. And then the oven in this case is something called a, you know, essentially what amounts to a black box where it's now in there and there are different levels of these neural networks and it's going to produce an output. The With regard to a legal brief, that is a form of machine learning called natural language processing, Rebecca. So what happens is it's reading these briefs, and this is happening all the time, um, in insurance. That's one of the sectors where they'll read all these insurance claims, and then the AI spits out a recommendation. How insurable is this person based on their age, based on their gender, based on their background, genetics, all these things? And so it's happening all the time. Okay, so is
1: the the the, the sixty four thousand dollar question is is AI creating more narcissism? Is it contributing to narcissism? And if so, how?
0: Yeah, let's let's start with um, kids, and there are, there are a lot of interesting articles out there asking that question: Is AI creating more narcissism? So, if I'm going to use social media as an example. And this is, you know, all the parents, let's just have some dialogue because this is. Real world stuff. So, if you saw the social dilemma um, on Netflix, and if you haven't, please watch it and drop a comment for Rebecca and I. In the social dilemma, it talks about the increase in um, suicides for teenage girls, Rebecca, and um, you know, and, and part of that, it's quite dramatic with the um, the uptake of social media because it's looking for this validation. So, what? is one of the chief things with regard to narcissism. It's this validation um, and this very selfish validation. So when you look at, say, social media as an example, and Instagram or TikTok and your child posts, and they're saying, how many shares did this get? How many likes did it get? How many comments did it get? And if it isn't meeting their expectation within a short period of time, what do they do? They pull the post down. They get angry. Tell me when this doesn't sound like a narcissist. So we're reinforcing this bad behavior that your social standing is based on your likes, your comments, your shares of your posts. And it's happening. And so, you know, as a parent, we look at it and, you know, what can we do? And I'll give some thoughts about that in a moment. But just realizing that the AI that is being the data input that is being created, when the AI, the algorithms are being created, it's serving up recommendations that are going to skew our choices online, not just our children's, but our choices online. Um, I'll give you an example. And so, you know, and and it doesn't matter what your politics are. I will give both examples from different parties. In the last election, if you were anti-Trump and you watched one anti-Trump video on YouTube, the AI was going to serve up more anti-Trump videos. And the more you watched, the more angry you would have gotten, and and you would have just gone down that rabbit hole. If you were anti-Biden, it was going to do the same thing. And now we're dealing with censorship. We are dealing with AI deciding what you should see. So can anyone in today's society have an unbiased opinion? I would say no. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. And then in a negotiation, you know, one of the biggest things to understand is that your biggest adversary can become your biggest ally. So appealing to their ego initially um, can be a great tactic, but if that doesn't work, I have found that you have to go the next level, which is um, asserting your power. When it comes to the safety of a
1: child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. SoberLink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. SoberLink's real time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at SoberLink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging like a narcissist or other high conflict personality and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free win my negotiation cheat sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com.
0: Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. I think narcissists oftentimes are patsies, not every time, but
1: I I think you can take their ego, which is kind of out of control, and you can leverage it to your advantage. One of my favorite questions is to ask someone, what's your opinion on this?
0: And now we return to today's show.
1: Mm. It just reminds me, we had talked a little bit about this before the show of the show Homeland and how they were like using those bots to um, actually shift people's um, opinions about things. And, you know, you thought that there was, you know, hundreds of thousands of views or comments or something. And it was like this, just these bots, you know, that were being generated in this warehouse somewhere. So crazy. Like who even knew that stuff existed?
0: It's happening. It's happening. It's happening right now. And the, you know, I think the, the biggest thing, uh, you know, some advice that I want to give people is start with kids. Don't just let them self-select because, you you know, as, as amazing we all think our children are, they're not emotionally and mentally capable of discernment, especially at a young age. So in our family, we, our kids do not get a cell phone until they're in grade eight. I know some of you are like, oh, you're a terrible parent. Um, we do not have the, any devices at the dinner table. There was a study that was done and it found that um, children who sit I, down I think with that their, makes you a good
1: parent. <laughs> I, I
0: hope so. I hope we're yeah. doing something right.
1: Oh my God. Um, now the kids might think you're a terrible parent <laughs> yeah, until they grow up and realize that what a great parent you are.
0: Well, how can, you know, if, if it's it, when you, and if anyone's taking notes, if you have to have something, it has you. That's how addiction starts. So if you have to have something, it has you. The, there was a study that was done on um, children and they found that if children who sat down with their parents five or more times a week for dinner were 68% less likely to have addictions right? So, you know, and, and gosh, I'm not perfect, but in our house, you know, we're sitting down with the kids, we're having discussions. We talk about AI bias at our dinner table. We do not let them have their devices, as I said. And it's, you know, it's not easy, but I also see children, Rebecca, being placated by their parents. You know, it's like the mom or dad is is going through, you know, whatever. They're, they're walking the kid and the kid wants something at the store. And instead, they're like, here, just take my cell phone and play. With it or go look on your iPad. How many do we, how often are we using that stuff as a pacifier? And then you wonder why your child has biased views or why they get depressed and why they slam their door and you don't even know what happened. It's because of all of the stuff that's going on. So the AI is designed to create the bias. And I think the biggest concern we all want to have is the black box. And within the black box, if a person or a company can't prove how the AI came up with an output, that's scary. And that's the black box. It means that the AI came up with those decisions themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: So fascinating. Uh, So let's talk about negotiating with these narcissists, okay? I mean, you've done a lot of negotiating in your career. You're, You're working on a big deal right now that you're negotiating. So, and you know, I'm sure you've come across a narcissist or two in your, on your path. Um, So what would be your best advice for people who are dealing with that?
0: Oh yeah. Well, wine, no. (laughs) Wine. she doesn't mean the WH version. She means the WI version. (laughs) A good Pinot Noir. So I got, you know, a couple of pieces of, of advice. So one Assume everyone is biased going into any negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. Number two is I always like to win over the narcissist. And so a narcissist has a large ego. And so I do a ton of research. I look at the news on this person. Um, go beyond page one of Google. So I'll put their name in, look at the news tab. I look at the video tabs. I look at their photos. I look at all their social media. And very clearly, you begin to see what um, where that person finds their significance from. And then in a negotiation you know, one of the biggest things to understand is that your biggest adversary can become your biggest ally. So appealing to their ego initially um, can be a great tactic, but... If that doesn't work, I have found that you have to go the next level, which is um, asserting your power. Because at the end of the day, um, what you know, and, and Rebecca's the expert, not I, but the um, you know, but many were a hundred percent right. Yeah, many years ago, I, I actually worked in the federal correctional system in Canada. So I um, you know, you can't tell me that a lot of criminals are not narcissists, right? So I do have my fair share of of experience there. But the at the end of the day a lot of narcissists have endured their own form of trauma and one of the reasons they're trying to assert dominance is because it makes them feel safe um, but they are also used to being on the receiving end of dominance and the i would just say don't give away your power don't give away your power whatsoever but understand that they're going to whether it's you know going back to the social media piece or whatever it is they're going to be biased. And you, as long as you go into the negotiation knowing they already have these biases, um, that's going to help you tremendously. And, and 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 don't take it personally. I mean, I have wall kicking moments sometimes. You know, I'll come, you know, I'll be in my yoga class, Rebecca, and I'm like thinking about something that's going on. I'll get my card. I'll be like, Aah! you know. But at the end of the day, um, you know, don't take it too personally because there are other things that are more important, like having dinner with your children at the table.
1: Absolutely. And you can't take it personally because it doesn't have anything to do with you, really. I mean, they're going to, you know, wreak havoc and destruction on anybody that's in their path, you know. But I want to go back to something else that you said as well, which is, um, you know, standing up for yourself and basically becoming more powerful. Because a lot of people, they think, oh my God, I don't want to do that because. you know, what they're going to do. I'm just so afraid of what the backlash is going to be or what's going to happen if I do that. But what I point out to people is, is it any good now? Is it good where you're just trying to go along to get along and they're just trampling all over you and using you as a doormat? Um, That's not good either. So what would you rather have? Because it's not going to stop unless you do something different. So I want to go back to what you were saying which is once you become more powerful there's a shift in them as well and yeah sometimes they they become worse a lot of times they become worse but then what happens on the other side is they get better i mean is, is that your experience as
0: well it definitely is because it's it, you know the narcissist the narcissist bent is about dominance Right. And when they can no longer dominate you, they usually get bored. Um, there is, you know, we see it, um, you know, especially in certain um, in certain sectors as well, where they might be a more, you know, male dominated sector, as an example. So sometimes um Narcissism can appear like sexism, as an example. But standing up for yourself—that's one. Uh, number two is from the vantage point of not taking it personally. I love what you said. It's not freaking personal, you know. That—that's the thing. Um, but they are going to get tired of you when you start to stand up. But the only way and if you're taking notes write this down the only way a narcissist will ever respect you and they are capable of it is if you stand up for yourself if it's and the other thing i want to say if it's affecting your health and you're not sleeping and you're gaining weight or losing weight or you know whatever the case is you're burning out your adrenals then you need to step back and the other thing i would say to you is mark yourself out of the office step back get your head on straight go to your favorite You know, place wherever that is. One of mine is Sedona, and just step back from the situation um, because—and this is especially, I know, um, for women. But there's a a acronym I want to give: Halt. H stands for hungry, A stands for angry, L stands for lonely, and T stands for tired. When we're emotional, we're irrational. So when I'm dealing with a narcissist, I'll step back and say, do I need to halt? Susan, are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Then I'm going to sleep on something. And then I'm going to say, am I prepared to let this go? Or am I not? And what's the consequence of letting it go? If I let this go, is this person going to do that to someone else? In which case, then I'm just as guilty of that. Or is it that I was being over-emotional because I was hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And if that's the case, then I might let it go, right? So it's, just the, it's that self-awareness, Rebecca right? That, that we all have to have, especially with narcissists, especially on social media, especially in our crazy ever-changing world right now.
1: Yeah. Oh, these are such good tips, such good points. So when you are in that spot of being hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, um, what do you do when you're in the middle of a negotiation at that point?
0: Yeah, that's a, a great question because you know, I'm in the middle of <laughs> negotiation right now. So one of the first things is I always give myself something to look forward to. Cause you know, think about the last time I know with COVID it's weird, but the last time you were looking forward to a vacation as an example, where as as humans, if we don't have things to look forward to, that's when we can just, you know, feel really lost and stuck and frustrated, and exhausted. So the first thing I'll say is, do I have something to look forward to on the other side of this? And if the answer is I don't. I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to book something, whether it's a spa day or a retreat or time with my girlfriends or whatever it is. So that's number one. Number two is I am a big believer, and I'm sure you've heard it over and over and over again in gratitude. So it's written that only iron can sharpen iron. And it's also written, um, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's religious or not, but I believe it's um, in, um, I want to say it's, it, it, you know, it's maybe it's in Isaiah, but it's talking about some people are are um, refined, like silver's polished. So it's very gentle. It's like a hug. And some people are refined essentially in the fire, in the fire of challenge. And so I'll look at it and I'll say, okay, you know, what am I, you know, how am I growing from this? Um, as hard as it is to be grateful for the dealing with the narcissist being able to do that and saying, wait a minute, there's a benefit for me too, because I'm going to get better. I'm going to get stronger. There's a lesson I need to learn. The third thing, and I can't emphasize this enough, is mentorship. Have a mentor for every area of your life. I have an AI mentor. I have a mentor that's just a business mentor. I have different mentors for different things and and I can just say hey you know can 15 minutes and you know they will help gain that perspective. The fourth tip that I want to give it really comes back to your health when um, I spent many years in the um, Health industry. And so when um, our hormones are out of alignment, especially as women, when um, we're tired, going back to those things. So you're not going to be good negotiating anything if you're living on Doritos and Big Macs. It's just not going to happen. So going back to those fundamentals, are you getting your workout in? Are you drinking a gallon of water a day? Are you taking vitamins? Are you, you know, doing all that good stuff and that self care? And the last thing that I'm going to say is, Have that one person in your life that they don't need to fix anything for you, but just that person that much like you have to charge your iPhone, that that's your docking station. For me, it's my husband. And I'll just say to him, I just need a hug. I don't need you to he'll say what's going on I'm like I don't even want to talk about it I don't need you to fix it Chris I just need a hug. So that those are my strategies and they may or may not apply to you but you know again I can't emphasize enough that you know everything is just for a season. And who are you going to be on the other side of it? Unless you learn how to negotiate with narcissists, they're just going to keep showing up in different forms, women and men. Rebecca, when you were on my show, we talked about that. Women are narcissists too, right? Oh yeah, totally. Well, the two I had to deal with were both women actually. So
1: yeah. And and I love what you're saying about using it as a learning experience because that's basically what I've done. I mean, I was talking about negotiation for years as a lawyer and I wrote a book on negotiation. And I was thinking I'll do some videos on negotiation. And it wasn't until I had this aha moment that I was really that I realized I was dealing with two narcissists in my life, not romantically, but in ways that caused enough drama, trauma, and chaos. That I realized, oh my god, I can actually start applying this, and that's you know how I've created all that I've created. So in a way, I should I guess I should thank the narcissist, but. Um, I can you know namaste them over there away from me,
0: <laughs> yeah, not near me people are people are either teaching us how to be or how not to be true and and if you look at you know anyone myself included, do we have things we've done in the past that might have been construed as narcissism, you're darn straight, right, but you know you know, one of the things you said when you were on my show, Rebecca, is that a narcissist will promise, 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 and they'll make you feel amazing initially. And then they rarely ever live into those promises. And if you, you know, even if you, you know, the sins of the past do not have to be the sins of the future. And even if after watching this, you go, okay, I'm, I'm committed to not being like that. You know, just be your word. Be that person who makes people feel grateful. Um, I was dealing with a narcissist the other day. And, you know, one of the things that I did afterwards, because I was so tempted to just like, you know, just like tell 5 million people about what was going on, but I wasn't going to do that because I'm a professional. But I stepped back and I actually sent my kids gratitude messages. Because you have to take away the power over that narcissist over your life. And if you're ruminating on it and you're not sleeping, they have so much power in your life. And the fastest way, as I said earlier, is to make someone feel better, to be, you know, live into that gratitude.
1: I love that. These are all, oh my God, there's so many great moments on this Um, amazing, amazing. Um, Just, tidbits all the way through. So um, for everybody out there who's listening, go back and listen to this again, because she said so much that's so powerful that um, you need to go back and take notes this
0: time. It was so good. Um, So where can people find out more about you? Sure. Yeah. Um, I I have a show. I interview founders. I interview um, people that specialize in business and mindset. So it's on YouTube. It's Susan Sly Step Into Your Power. Um, you can see my interview with Rebecca. She was absolutely amazing. We have other founders like Dave Asprey, has been on my show. Um, you know, so many people. Greg Williams was on my show, How to Negotiate with a Bully. He's amazing. So check that out, Susan Sly Step Into Your Power on Instagram. It's at Susan Sly. Um, my website is Susan Sly. Com.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Go follow her, go watch her, subscribe, do, you know, check her out because um, she's got amazing stuff to say. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zhang. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.